Diamond Bridges. I'm your host, Irene Diamond. Now is the time for people of all generations to wake up to their true sense of purpose, to open channels to their freedom, and to build bridges between a disjointed collective. Join me today as I feature three guests of the baby boomer, Gen X, and millennial generations, contrasting their stories and talents. Have you ever wondered why parents feel uncomfortable talking about certain subjects with their children? When we trust educators to teach our children, can we trust them to give us the best parenting advice for ourselves in this day and age? The guests I've invited to talk with me today are trusted advisors for children and parents alike. Author of the trending children's book, I'm the Boss of Me, a self-proclaimed people pleaser who prefers the glow of being number two, and cancer survivor who believes we're placed on this planet to have a good life. Please welcome Casey Weishi. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And Wendy Levy, currently an education consultant at Wendy Levy Consulting here in New York City, who founded the Epiphany Community Nursery School, which she directed for over 40 years, also here in New York City, who loves the parent journey and embraces all the change surrounding both, a forever student who loves life with joy herself. Please welcome Wendy Levy. Thank you, and thank you for doing this. It's really nice to have education be a main topic. We all definitely appreciate that. Tori Garris is an actor who has founded and created a newly Mr. Rogers-inspired children's show on YouTube called Torby. Torby mm -hmm. teaches big feelings, safety, imagination, respect, and the basics. This show was created to be an adorable show parents would love having on for their children, but more importantly, it's a show parents can feel safe having on. Please welcome Tori Garris. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Thanks, ladies. So, Wendy, you've spent most of your professional and family life in New York City, but tell us about your origins in suburban New Canaan, Connecticut. <laughs> well, I was actually born in California, and uh, my parents moved to New Canaan, Connecticut, because it is known for having such a fabulous school system. And for my parents, education was always paramount, um, which is probably where I got that from. And um, New Canaan had one of those test markets where they were doing really avant-garde work in the public school system. So I grew up in New Canaan in a very homogenous 
town, which I was not part of the homogeny, but uh, was a, a very cookie cutter town with a tremendous education system and lots of arts. And when you say homogenous and that you weren't homogenous, you mean because you're Jewish? Um, because my parents were divorced. Because ah, wow. We indeed are Jewish. Um, and for lots of reasons, we were not the same as everybody else. Wow, fantastic. And you felt that. Very interesting. Tori, you grew up in the suburb of Chicago and relocated to central Virginia with your husband. That was like right before the pandemic, I think. Yes. Um, did you have in mind then to raise a family in a more rural setting? Yes. Um, I, even though we grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, it was kind of like a big town and we would go to the city of Chicago every so often. Uh, but my sister and her whole family moved to West Virginia. And then that's actually how I met my husband. So seeing that he came from this lifestyle that was slower and just a little bit more, or I should say less stressful, um, mm -hmm. was incredibly appealing to me. So yeah, we moved to Central Virginia, really knowing that we wanted to raise our family and plant our roots in a more rural and small town area. Wow. So you made that conscious decision. I mean, obviously being very mindful of, of the... Uh, the change. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I never, when I was younger, I never pictured myself in this type of an area. I definitely had New York City and LA on my radar and that was it. Yeah, it being an actor too, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And one of the reasons I had chosen not to consider LA was simply because anyone that I had met in New York City talked about how if you're looking to have a lifestyle, LA is not the place for a lifestyle because you don't in general, um, you typically don't have genuine friendships. It's always, what can I get from you? What can you do for me? And so then after meeting my husband, we had moved to Chicago together and thought we were going to stay there for a little while. And then both of us just felt like, man, I don't know if I want to raise kids in such a high stress, busy, concrete jungle area. And so, yeah, we are very, very pleased to be living out here, at least for our lifestyle choices. Sure. And I mean, nothing is forever. If you, you can always change, right? You can always relocate. Um, but well, good luck with that. And um, Casey, being the daughter of a father in the military, shaped your early life moving around a lot and exposed you to a variety of people, I imagine. Uh, were you always as open as you are today to meeting new people? Or do you ever remember being afraid? So I'm actually very shy. I am. I have a little bit of insecurity meeting somebody walking into a big room, you know, with people I don't know. Um, it's one of the reasons I like to be number two. <laughs> number one to go in first, make a friend or two, and then I'll come following up right behind. Yeah. But, uh, but I am very friendly. So I find it easy to make friends. And I've been told, and I believe that I'm very genuine, that I care about people and people can sense that kind of early on. Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't say that I make friends easily because I'm shy, but once I get over my shyness, that's when the friendships just come pouring in. Wow, because honestly, you do not strike me as being a shy person. It's very interesting. Very shy. Sorry to jump in here, but in the education world, when we write a report about children, teachers will often use the word shy. And I would always exit out and say, don't say shy, say reserved. Ah, I like that. Yeah. 
And you're not really shy, I can see. Yeah, you know, as a, as a piano teacher and singing coach, too, I know, like, sometimes I'll hear parents say, oh, my kid is really shy. And I'll look, are you sure? Because they don't strike me as being shy. And, and sometimes I feel like they're just putting a, like a drape over them, like, you know, stifling them in some ways by just saying that. But um, somehow it's their take on their child. And maybe it's a, a protection me mechanism. So, Wendy, you raised your children in New York City, the Big Apple, and have built your professional reputation here as well. Your clientele really relies on you now with the consulting and always have with the school that you grew in as well. But with all the recent events surrounding gun violence and social media exploitation and gender changes, can you give us a glimpse of how your experiences with guiding parents and their children spanning decades have changed and how you approach child safety now? Well, for me, it has always been important to look at the child and get a sense of who they are and then help the parents find the right environment for them to learn in. So what I hate is when a parent comes to me and says, I want to go to X school. And I say, why? And they say, well, it's number one on the list. And I think, what a horrible reason to choose a school. What, what kind of a learner is your child? Are they an auditory learner? Are they a visual learner? Are they a kinesthetic learner? Are they outgoing? Are they reserved? Do they do well in new situations? Would they do well on a bus? There's so many things to consider. So for me, for a child to feel safe in the total sense of the word, they have to thrive. And you're only gonna thrive if you're in an environment that is compatible with you and your values. So um, right now, because of social equity being such a big deal in the schools, as it should be, um, I think values have become more and more important and parents more and more are looking for a school where their values will be reflected. So that's what I try to do. And I deal with children from all over the world this year. I had families from England, from Bangladesh, from Mexico, from um, St. Martin, just a a everywhere. Coming here to New York City? Yes. Or you're helping them find schools here in, in okay. Yes, um, from preschool wow. through high school. Right, diverse. Yes, and well, my school was always diverse. I, I think the best way for children to learn is to be around lots of different kinds of people. I guess because I did not perhaps have that experience early on. I think one of the great things about living in New York, and I totally understand um, the idea of a kinder, gentler environment and wanting to live in in uh, Virginia and have um, kind of a slower, more, you know, mellifluous um, uh, pace to your life. Um, but one of the great things about New York City is it's very affirming as a parent. So it is easy to go to, well, easy is perhaps a poor choice of word, it is possible to go to work, to take your child to school on the way, to get your dry cleaning picked up, to order in food for dinner. And if I tell you how many times I put my kids who are now elderly, by the way, but when I put them, to bed, <laughs> it would be nine o'clock at night. And one of them would say, Oh, mom, did I tell you I volunteered to bring in four dozen brownies tomorrow? <laughs> no, nine p.m. <laughs> but living in New York City, you can make that happen. You can run out to the grocery store. You know, you, you, it, it is just in many ways a very parent friendly, taking the financial piece away, understanding 
that we're not talking about whether you can afford to or not. It allows parents to really be part of the process. So if you're working in the city and you live in the suburbs, like New Canaan, where I grew up, and your child is in a play, there's no way you're going to leave work, come see your kid in the play and go back to work. Don't forget, I'm talking about pre-pandemic when we learned we could do this sort of thing in Zoom. I've always said that New York City is an efficient city. I, I always appreciate yes. the efficiency here, um, which I know you have to try hard sometimes, but it really is quite efficient. Um, well, this was a great introduction. Let's take this to the dining room. So great having all four of you, three of you, four of us. Well, cheers, everyone. <laughs> so good to be here. So people these days are really, they're concerned about their safety and healthy environments for their children. So Tori, on Torby, how do you address the contrasting differences of child safety in a rural setting versus suburban versus city versus neighborhoods, different neighborhoods? That's a really good question. And it's probably something that will continue to grow and learn and change and figure out. We're really excited about figuring out the balance of just talking about safety in general so that we can also encompass things that are, in my opinion, really important, like around sexual safety and around internet safety and topics that, as you alluded to at the very beginning of the interview, a lot of times as parents, we have no idea when or how to talk about it. And it can be an incredibly uncomfortable topic, but we would like to have safety be such a core piece of Torby that when we are talking about safety and we show crossing the street in a more rural setting or in a city setting, or we're talking about internet safety or things like that, that it's comfortable and it just feels very, wow, I'm so glad that there's this character that can kind of open the doorway for me to then be able to show it and start the conversation with my kids. And so especially on the topics of internet safety or even the more deep stuff, like one of the episodes that we're filming actually in the next couple of weeks is around kind of that feeling that you can get in your tummy when you're talking to someone that makes you uncomfortable. And so we're planning on just filming it in a way where Torby's going to be either we'll be painting or we'll be coloring or we'll be doing something that's just really kind of inspired by what a, um, a therapist will do with a child where they're doing play. And so the child is just enjoying playing and then you can start talking about things that might be more important. And we can just express, you know, in casual conversation, you know, if someone ever makes you feel a little uncomfortable or tells you to keep a secret and it makes your tummy feel ooey gooey, you don't have to keep it secret. You can tell a parent. That way it's not adding guilt or shame to this topic, but instead it's allowing, it's really empowering these kids. And so along with all the other types of safety of, crossing the street, railroad safety, which we've done so far, and we're going to redo and improve. But even on, you know, physical safety like that, um, we that's a really good question, because we should absolutely be exploring ways to showcase multiple different living situations. Yeah. And I would think that the earlier we be begin, because I don't know, um, you know, maybe people don't want to talk about social platforms on social media platforms with their young children because they want to hold off like they don't want to get them the cell phone too early which i understand or or yeah. set them up on a, on a different platform but even if you're not setting up the kid i would think that by talking to them early when it does come time that they might just have that much more knowledge about it and just 
uh, being able to make educated choices for themselves because they do reach a time when they just decide, right? They make their own choices, um, whether we like it or not as parents. Um, so to add to that, one of the things I also find interesting is parents that I'll talk to that are further along in the journey than me. I only have a three and a half year old currently, so we're still navigating when we do talk about this, how are we going to talk about it? Yeah. Um, but parents that already have kids in elementary school or middle school, the parents that do still choose, hey, we're gonna wait on having a cell phone, doesn't mean that their kid's not around other friends with cell phones and other forms of social media. And it's not like they can't access chat rooms on, you know, when I was in high school being a millennial, chat rooms were new. It was like the AOL thing. And like, it was this huge thing oh, that you would go to a friend's house. Yeah. And now there's chat rooms in almost every single type of video game that kids can play. And the safety around all of those outlets is, it is shocking the types of things that kids are able to see or hear or learn about when you think that you've got everything at your fingertips. And so it's almost like from the experts that I've talked to, it's, it's like right now you're just preparing them for when they do see or hear or talk to someone about things. How can you already be a safe place for your kids to come to so that they're not ashamed or embarrassed when something does make them feel uncomfortable, especially the older they get? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's really important to remember with kids to tell them less rather than more and let them ask questions. Mm, and I wow. always think back to when I have seven years between my children. And so my son was seven when I was pregnant with my daughter. And he said to me, mom, where is that baby going to come out? <laughs> I thought, oh, I got to get into it. And, um, and then I said, well, Evan, she's going to come out between my legs. And he goes, <laughs> that is going to ruffle your bones. And out he went. That's all he, he literally wanted to know. Was she coming out of my ear? Was she coming out of my knee? He literally could not figure out. And that sufficed. He, you didn't have to revisit. That it. That's all. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, my God, I'm going to tell him about this and tell him about that. And wow. now that, that was all he wanted to know. Wow. I love that. Yeah. One of the things that um, that I did as a parent and then um, now as an author as well, uh, um, kind of tagging on to what you're saying is age appropriate talks. Yeah. And, um, you know, at a very young age, they don't need to know um, the details, but they do need to know certain things along the lines of um what is considered safe touching, not safe touching and things like that. Yeah. When I wrote, yeah. When I wrote my little book with my son, when he was seven, I wrote it for a completely different reason. It was because he was talking back to teachers in school. So I was trying to teach him how to be the boss of his mouth. That mm -hmm. was the entire premise to get him to keep it closed when it was the right time and all these other things. We ended up creating our own little book that night and let him be the boss of his body was what the end result was taking responsibility for his actions. So when you're the boss of your hands, you can clap, you can put them in your lap, all these things. So it gave him this body autonomy. This gave him personal responsibility for his actions. And what I didn't realize at the time that I was doing was I was teaching him. Um, oh, and one thing we always said was, if your spidey senses are going off, because I had a little boy, 
you know, mm -hmm. listen to your spidey senses at all times. There's no reason for you not to listen to your spidey senses. That what he could relate to was spidey senses. You know, that my spidey senses are tingling. Superpower. Yeah, his his little you know superhero yeah. you know, person that he wanted. To I got that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I work with children with piano teaching and singing, so you know, I get that expressive side of them sometimes. Mm -hmm. To this day, I have some super great male students who started out like that, you know, where they were quite wild as young, young <laughs> beginners. And now they are excellent pianists, you know, but they have learned how to discipline themselves, I guess you could yeah. say. You know? Well, and when you teach a, a child, like, I'm the boss of me and my legs, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my legs to run over here. I'm going to use my legs to walk over and stand in line. So and it teaches them accountability. And yeah. possession of their body. Yeah. So if somebody comes along, you know, at any age and maybe puts their hand on their leg, they get to say, hey, I'm the boss of my leg and I really don't want you to touch my leg right now. I mean, let's go back to the uh, the, the school bus ride because that, that I know from history is can be the roughest part of the day of school for some children. Yes. Um, there's all different ages and, you know, a lot is is loose on the, on the buses. <laughs> I think it's very hard for them to um, behave well on a bus, you know, uh, it's especially now where they don't have extra people sitting on the bus to help. They're excited to be out yeah. of school. The teachers are not there. You know, they're it's it's a time in between. Right. It's uh they're not home yet and they're not at school. Um, yeah. So um, let's talk about the power of language. Um, Casey, you have a steady, empowered voice that people really tend to listen to, which, and you've used quite well in the, in the form of fundraising for various charitable causes, and I really do applaud you for that. Um, Casey makes it seem very easy to ask for funding. Um, and she's been successful with that. Um, you come across as grounded and um, people of all ages listen and respond to you. How do you think that happens? And have you ever been silenced or um, felt inhibited from expressing yourself? And how do you suggest we teach and advocate our children to use their words? So I think, um, well, a lot of different things. Yes, I've been silenced many times. I've had people outright say, absolutely not. And you have to respect that. When you are, like I, I've mentioned, I've, I have raised a lot of money for wonderful charities and stuff professionally and then in a volunteer aspect as well. And I think what you need to do when you're approaching anybody on any subject is you need to relate to them. You need to find a commonality and you need to say to them, hey, I understand this about you. Did I get that right? Mm -hmm. That's really amazing. Can you tell me more? And you have to be sincere about it. You can't sit back and fake it. So having lots of varied interests and really truly being curious about people and what makes them tick, I think is a really important thing that has made me successful. I've taken that into parenting 
in um, when I've been talking to my son, he's 21 now. And he, you know, we will have conversations, difficult ones, easy ones. We started out some of our most difficult conversations in the car on the way home from preschool or on the way home from soccer practice or wherever we were going. We weren't sitting looking at each other and staring at each other because that can be intimidating for a child because here I am, the mother, the parent, in kind of a place of authority. Well, not kind of, I am in a place of authority. And, um, you know, and he may want to share something and not feel comfortable expressing it if I'm sitting across the dinner table from him. So we have had some of our best conversations driving in the car. I'm talking even now, driving in the car when he's 21 and we're sitting side by side and he'll tell me, you know, a story of, you know, bad choices a friend made. And I can tell he's sitting there like, what do you think, mom? Is it a horrible choice? Was it a bad, you know, but he's, he's looking straight ahead and we're not making eye contact. Yeah, I think the same is true when you take a walk with someone too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it can be your significant other too. Do you think that children have feelings too? Like when they come to you with a question, is it... Are they bringing with it a feeling, Tori? I think so. I think we are all such feeling beings. That, I mean, we're not logical by nature. And so with kids, it's even more so coming from feelings. And there is a gentleman on Instagram that he and I had a really fantastic conversation because he was sexually abused by a babysitter who was 25 when he was eight. And so oh. I had so many questions for him because that is one of the reasons why we were excited about starting this show was that the idea was, well, we'd like to empower the kids that are being abused in their home and they don't know how to talk about it because kids, they do, they feel. So if they feel scared, they're going to draw it or say it as it's something that made them feel scared or whatever. And so they might not be able to articulate it like we can as grownups, but they can still show it in a more feeling-based way. And so I absolutely think so. Yeah. I had a set of twin boys, um, few years back before the pandemic they were each taking piano lessons also rambunctious like we're describing like they weren't the best students you know but they <laughs> they they loved coming they loved the lessons you know and one of they were in kindergarten they were like five six years old I'm not exaggerating and one of them was telling me about a friend of theirs a male friend who wanted to be a girl already knew in his life that he wanted to be a girl he wanted to use the girls bathroom and this little boy was telling me all of this that the parents were going along with it that and then um you know the nanny chimed in and said that they had gone to a therapist and were giving the child medication already to make the transfer and this boy was basically letting this out with with me yeah so Tori, um, parents trust you for themselves if they trust you with their kids on the show. On the flip side of that coin, how do you address child safety issues with people or other children who you might not trust as much but whom are close to your children? I think that's where open dialogue is so vastly important and even open dialogue considering how like you were just talking about these were boys that came to you 
as a piano teacher. Um, it's not always a parent that kids are going to open up to. And so sometimes we're the parents where our friends, our kids' friends are going to come to us. And we want to be a trustworthy source for them because we don't know how many trustworthy sources these kids do have in their lives. So in the segment that is definitely still in the developmental stage, but we have a part of our brand called Torby for Parents. And so kind of like what you were talking about, the whole idea behind it was that if we in the show are looking to help empower kids, but also empower these parents, I'm never on the show going to say, hey, kids, it's called a penis and a vagina. Like that's, that's not my role. That's the role of the parent or the guardian that's in that child's life. And through the show, Torby for Parents, that's where we're looking to empower parents with the deeper conversations. Hey, if you have a hard time knowing when to talk about porn with your kids, here's an episode that can help kind of lay the groundwork. Torby's not going to talk about porn. We're not going to talk about what that is or what it looks like. But if you're looking for ways to start bringing this into the conversation, here's a good episode to do that. Now let's take it a step further. If your child is ever uncomfortable because of a teacher in their life, or if you have a sense about an uncle or a cousin or a neighbor or something, kind of actually to what Wendy was saying, instead of assuming or telling them, hey, did they ever say something like this to you? I noticed that they had this feeling about them, but instead asking that child lots of questions and maybe not even specific, but you know, hey, is there anybody, is there anybody in your life that just makes you feel uncomfortable or makes you sad or makes you nervous or makes your hands tingly or makes your body feel funny? Um, because I mean, we all have a pretty good sense of intuition about lots of things and kids, I think have it the same way. And so if we can empower kids in knowing, and actually, um, Casey, I want to buy your book immediately because, um, <laughs> uh, I love the idea of that they're the boss of their own body. And I'm thankful that at least from the sounds of it, all three of you parented your children to know and trust that they would never be in a situation like these other women and other men that have been compromised, but so many kids are not in a good household that teaches them those things and talks about those things. So what about like the fact that we are as open as we are with gender equality? Um, you know, that's a, that's a, it's a liberal value, but it's also one that's part of our constitution and that we, we, everyone is allowed freedom of choice, right? To embrace, what they want for themselves. So, but how do we teach these values to our children and enable to enable them to say to someone, well, I really am not interested in kissing you or you know, you might have these feelings but I don't. How how can you we You have to be super honest with kids. I think that's really important that that parents be that line of defense when they can. And I get what you're saying, Irene, that there's not always that opportunity. A kid 16 goes home to someone else's house after school, you know, you might not be able to uh, vet that home or everybody in it, but whenever possible, I think it's really important. Yeah, and then, but also I, what I'm at, because by the time they're 16, I mean, that's to me, almost an adult. And they have to be able to speak for themselves when they're 16. They're driving, you know, they have, they can get into places without the parents. They can go to a movie without the parents. One of the right? things that I think is super important is um, something I think, one of the, the organizations I work with is the Child Rescue Coalition. 
and that is specifically um, trying to stop child pornographers and things along those lines. Uh, people who purchase child pornography, so they may not be, uh, you know, actually filming it themselves, but they are providing a market. So the Child Rescue Coalition goes after these people, and I think one of the things that we as a society don't understand is actually how dangerous it is for our children and at what a young age. And one of the things that I have come to find and am horrified by is um, that children are, parents will let their children do things at a very early age and they don't realize it. I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's something in the 90 percentile of all children that are sexually molested and abused, it is from someone they know. Yes. So what we have is an entire society of parents that are very trusting of other people. And it may be their best friend from high school's husband, who they were the bridesmaid at the wedding. Look what happened in gymnastics with which with their coach. I mean, oh, you know. yes. It happens all I think that's my original question. It's kind of like when, when a parent has a gut feeling, the child has no idea, right? How do you get that message across to them without them getting defensive? You know, I think you start early and you and you talk age appropriate. And the reason, again, when I wrote my book, it was to get my son to keep his mouth shut. <laughs> Didn't. That part was not the best. He still has issues with that. <laughs> but um, I think we had conversations early. I mean, at a very young age, I would say things to him. Uh, if we saw somebody, we were living in Seattle at the time, and there's a big um, population of, of homeless that were drug users. Not that homeless people are drug users, but in there was, you'd go by and these people were smoking and- So that would be a neighborhood, right? A neighborhood, exactly. There would be a neighborhood that we would have to drive through to get to my work in his preschool. And I would, and he would, mommy, why are they, you know, why are they looking so mean and angry and they're smoking a cigarette? And, and I would say, you know, honey, they're actually, they're doing drugs and, and there's nobody in the world that ever tries a drug the first time and says, I want to become a drug addict. <laughs> there are people that will become drug addicts, whether they want to or not. And so I literally was having that conversation at around age four. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow, age four. And we drove through that neighborhood. <laughs> and, and there was no way to go around it from where we lived. Let's go to another question before we, um, we close on this segment, because I really do appreciate everything we're talking about here on the table. What about teachers and, you know, teaching our children how to say no to a teacher? Because again, we've just covered the aspect of maybe somebody's relative or another friend that we might not have the right we have we think something might be off right or we're not we don't have all the information but with a teacher again we trust our teachers with our children right so how can we teach our children to have discernment with teachers well, I think you have to give them the language I, I my daughter just brought up the other day about the time a teacher accused her of lying 
Um, she was about 15, I think. And he said that she was lying. This is classic about the a, a pot they had made in uh, pottery. And mm. that she said the the lid to the pot was hers. I mean, I can't imagine why anybody would care whose lid went with whose pot. But um, and and she said, you have to come in and tell him he can't say that to me. And I said, I'm not going to you. You need to go back to him and say that you're sorry he feels that way. But you <laughs> did not take the pot. And if that doesn't work, then we're going to come up with something else. And I felt so strongly with my own children that it was important that they learn how to advocate for themselves and not have mommy or daddy come in and try to fix it because oh wow that's a good you're not there all the time, you know, well, and maybe, we can't be there maybe all that the is time. an issue like for, for children who do succumb to God forbid the you know um, perverted teacher let's just say we know this happens okay let's just go to one teacher and that you don't get satisfaction go to another go to another grown-up go to another teacher you know and 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 tell them your story i i think that's important too because sometimes you'll hear children particularly small children say well i told my teacher and she didn't do anything you know, we, we never know if that's true, but oh, and God bless the teachers too. I mean, they're, they're, they sometimes have 30 kids to, to teach right day in yeah. and day out. I mean, I know I couldn't do that. You know? I, think, I think I, a lot of it has to come to language and then respect. Yes. And so I think then maybe if there is that, that sense of respect and the teacher knows that about you and your, your family and your child, they mm -hmm. less likely to do anything offensive to your child. I believe so. I believe there's a, 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 a um, you end up with a relationship with that teacher that's on a like, trust. Like I'm talking about a super conscious kind of thing. Yeah. Anyone who had that, who was prone in that direction, you think that maybe if you esteem them with respect that they would be less likely? What do you think, Wendy? You know, I think parents make a big mistake fixing everything for their kids. Uh, that just is never, you are never going to make it through life if you have a parent going in there making sure that you're the star of the play and the captain of the football team and, you know, get to come in late because you were, you know, you're a little tired this morning and whatever <laughs> nonsense it is that parents want to do for their kids. Mm -mm, not good. That list can go on and on. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. Let's take this to the living room. And um, in the living room segment, we have some talent to look forward to. Ori is going to get into Torby costume. Ooh. And we get to ask her questions. So, see you in the living room. Welcome to the living room segment of our show. And I am about to feature Torby as the talent today. Uh, she has Torby, the children's show on YouTube, which teaches big feelings, safety, imagination, respect, and the basics. And parents should feel safe having the show on for their children. So Torby, if I let my daughter come with you on your show, where is she going to go? Who is she going to meet? We love going outside. Outside is probably my favorite place to go because there's so many things to explore. You can see the trees, you can learn about nature, you can see animals, you can learn about the change of seasons. 
I think that if your four-year-old daughter were to come with me on the show, we would get to meet some of my friends that I have. They're puppets. We've got Gregory the Groundhog, and he's British, so he loves teaching us tons of really cool things. We've got Frankie the Fox, and Frankie the Fox is really excited about everything. We've got a whole pack of friends, and we would just explore. Mm -hmm. So is, is the fox a little sly? Does he have a little extra tad of wisdom? <laughs> Sort of. I think Frankie's still learning a lot about wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> and how old are the other kids on your show? We don't really have all that many kids on the show yet. It's mostly just me. And we get to learn a lot together with me and all of my little friends. So, Torby, when, when you do this, I, I get that you, you use the outside, which makes sense because you were particularly dealing with animals, but do you use music? Do you use art? What other vehicles do you use to engage? Yes, yes, and yes. I've got a <laughs> lot of musical friends. Actually, I've got a few friends. One, she is like a ladybug. So Torby is like a bumblebee. Then I've got Dore Meebug, and she's one of my best musical friends. She's like a ladybug. I have Beetle D and Beetle Do. One's in green and one's in blue. <laughs> and we get to make tons of really fun music together. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's great. That, and is this original music that you do? Well, we will do original music. We haven't gotten there just yet. What are some of the lessons that you teach children about safety and such? Do you have specific topics in mind? And what ages do you teach to or do you play with? I guess that's the best thing you do. You have fun and play with the children. Yes, I love that. I think that safety is not only as important as it is to talk about with our parents and our trusted adults, but it's also really important to learn about in a fun setting. So we love talking about safety when it comes to crossing the street or dealing with something sharp or being in a situation that makes us feel a little ooey gooey inside. I think it's important to talk about safety in fun and interesting and memorable ways. So I think that safety not only should be talked about with me and with all of my friends, but also with you and your kids. And what, what happens if um, a, a child is uncomfortable or frightened or how, how do you handle that? Oh, doesn't that happen all the time? We all always have situations that make us feel a little uncomfortable. And so Casey, I almost forgot to answer your question. Kids of almost all ages. Mm -hmm. Really, the goal is probably if you're around four-ish until about 10-ish. 10-year-olds 10 might think that we're a little bit young, but I still think that 10-year-olds could learn a lot about the safety elements, especially. Mm -hmm. But I think that we all get in situations that make our tummies feel uncomfortable, that makes our skin crawl a little bit, or that just makes us feel a little uncomfortable. So I think that if you ever feel that way, you don't ever have to keep it inside. You can always tell someone that you trust. And if you have a hard time finding someone you trust, just keep looking. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. How do you know if you can trust someone, Torby? What a good question. You know? oh. I think there's a lot of factors. I think if you can trust that feeling inside of you and you feel really safe around this person and they've shown you that there's someone that's trustworthy, I think that's how you know that you can trust them. Sometimes it's your parent that you can go to. Sometimes it's a teacher. Sometimes if you go to a church, it's a pastor. Sometimes it's maybe someone that's a neighbor or a police officer or someone that you know. But I think a really important piece is that you feel comfortable going to them. And there's something inside of you that feels really calm, really safe, and really comfortable. 
how do you how can we use our imagination torby you know one of the things that i'm not a huge fan of is screens and the funny thing is that i'm on a screen but <laughs> that's why we like to go outside I think it's so cool to see all of the fun things in nature that can just get our minds going. And you can play pretend with everything around you. You can use two sticks and they can become your best friends. You can climb a tree. You can take a friend with you on a walk and jump into a muddy puddle. I think there's so much more than just watching something on TV or watching something on our parents' phones. Those are fun and we can learn a lot from those things. But I think it's so important to let our minds wander and to get creative creative and to think ourselves, well, what should Mr. Rock and Mrs. Rock do? What should these two blades of grass do? Look at some of these really cool flowers. Look at that deer in the distance. What can I do to make something creative and fun and special out of this situation? And there are so many fun things you can do. Our imaginations can take us anywhere. So it doesn't matter where you live, your imagination can take you anywhere. And I think that's a pretty cool vehicle. Yes. Are we going to meet anybody else when we're with you? Yes. So right now it's just my buddies, Dore Nibug, Beedly D and Beedly Do. But we are planning on having a friend that I'm hoping will be our friend Manarca Muchacha. And she's my Spanish friend. Oh. I'm also hoping to have a friend. <laughs> I, we haven't found a name just yet. We'll find it eventually. But we're looking to be teaching sign language because sign language is super duper important. And there's so many people around us that might not be able to hear what we're saying with their ears. And so we want to be able to talk with, to them with our hands. Mm -hmm. So we've got lots of friends that are definitely going to join us along the way. So far, it's just a few of us. But mm -hmm. over time, we're excited to expand the pack on the Torby team. That's great. Are we going to learn how to be helpful at all? I think so. I should hope you learn how to be helpful. Because especially if you know something about safety and maybe your friend or a sister or someone else in your life doesn't know about what you know, I think it's really good to teach them and tell them the things that you've learned. That's fantastic. So I just want to thank all three of you for being on Diamond Bridges today. Um, we know we can see Torby on YouTube and Wendy, where can we find, uh, Wendy Levy consulting at wendylevy.com. I have a website that has book suggestions for parents. I do a blog nearly every week. Um, I have ideas of films that they can see parenting books, children's books, activities that are going on. Lots of, lots of things. Fantastic. I know that you help people, families of diverse backgrounds uh, from preschool through high school, as well as working with schools, law firms and companies, strategizing all things education, which is just really great. And you are such a great representation as an educator. Best wishes to you. And Casey Weishi, where can people find your book, The It Bomb Series? So it's really simple. They just need to go to imthebossofme.com. And on there, I have books, I have puzzles, I have stickers, I have all kinds of things to help children remember that they can be the boss of them. And the three concepts behind the book are self-responsibility and accountability. I have so much diversity in the book. I wanted any child to be able to pick it up and look at that and see themselves. 
And then I also, there's a lot of body safety beginners. And that means we're going to talk about, these are my eyes, these are my hands, stuff like that. We're not going to go into body safety, but it is a wonderful way for parents to open up and start talking at an age appropriate level about body safety. And they just have to go to imthebossofme.com. Great. Thank you. So we'll see you next time on Diamond Bridges. Please turn on your alerts for the new episode of Diamond Bridges on the first Monday of every month. You can also listen and watch the gemstones, which are going to be the highlights of every episode. So follow us on Instagram for the gemstones. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies.